Hey everyone, Alex here. Uh, just before the episode started, I wanted to pop in and say uh, Chase and I recorded this uh, on Wednesday at about noon, and of course, in typical us fashion, about five hours after we were done recording, a uh, massive trade broke with one of the biggest pieces on the trade deadline board. So um, I just want to come in and say that uh, this will not have our Palmieri and Zajac trade opinions, but we will give those next week when we do our um, reaction to the NHL trade deadline. Uh, it should be probably out Monday night, Tuesday morning, sometime around then. So yeah, you'll hear it then. I, I still think most of what we said this episode stands true. Uh, we kind of, instead of looking at the players, each by um, each player by themselves, we kind of go through and take a look at what each team could use coming up to this deadline and if they should be selling, staying put, buying, and then, you know, if they, if they are selling, who they should sell and if they're buying, you know, what type of player. We, we'd look at some of the players, but more like what position they want. So yeah, just wanted to give a heads up that the Palmieri trade will not be in this one, but pretty much everything else we talk about still uh, hopefully is valid by the time this episode comes out. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll talk to you all next week. And welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, today, we've got a trade deadline preview uh, episode. We'll obviously be doing a review next week. Uh, I guess this is the appropriate time to probably pull up when the actual trade deadline is. I think it is this week, though, coming up. Uh, I want to say maybe Thursday or, fr- or Friday, maybe. Uh, April 12th, so next week, I guess, technically. It is April 7th while we're recording this. I'm assuming it'll be the 8th when this is published. So Monday, this upcoming Monday, the uh, trade deadline is uh, obviously 3 p.m. is always is the trade deadline. So Jason, I figured we'd go through every team today. I'm going to try and put a 15-minute cap on the divisions. Uh, so, you know, we hit about an hour, but we're going to go through roughly every team and, um, you know, just kind of say what we would do if they're the GM, you know, if we would buy, sell, stay put, and, and what we think they're going to do. You know, if they're a seller, we'll look at who – who might, uh, you know, they, they might sell off and if they're a buyer, what they should probably be in the market for looking at. So, um, yeah, with that be, without more being said, uh, there's not much news to talk about. There's one Vancouver thing, obviously, it's pretty big, but we'll discuss that when we get to Vancouver. So let's start with the North Division. And um, I don't really have an order that we want to go in here. Like, uh, I feel like it might be a little boring if we're going from top to bottom, I guess. But uh, so let's start with... Um, I'll just pick a team out kind of from random and we can go from there. How's that sound? That sounds good. We could do the cap friendly order. Yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll pull up the cap friendly order for, is it the divisions? Do they have the divisions? Yeah, so it's like North and then it goes Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal. All right, team. Oh, yes, know. there. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, oh, yeah, they're just alphabetically. So we'll, we'll go through that in the division. So let's start with the Calgary Flames. Um, from the GM of the Calgary Flames, I'm thinking I'm like they're out of it. They're literally tied with Vancouver, who hasn't played a game in like over a week because of COVID protocols. They have the most games played in the division, maybe in the league. Um, I'm just looking through. They're tied for they're sorry, they have the, the only Blue Jackets and Red Wings have more games played with them in the league, and they have 35 points in 40 games. This team is out of it. Like Ottawa is a one win away from being three points back of them. Uh, this team should be selling. I don't know if they will, but uh, in my opinion, they should be big sellers at this deadline. Yeah, this seems like the perfect chance to, like, we're not even good in a bad division, and our team isn't getting better anytime soon. Let's sell these guys so they still have value, and then we can build for the future with the Matthew Tuchucks of the world, and maybe, like, Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin kind of thing. 
Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. They have a bunch of UFAs that they can sell. Like, if anyone wants to take a flyer on a Nesterov or a Michael Stone, I doubt it. But, like, maybe you get a depth pick. Dave Riddich is an interesting name. You know, I don't know how many teams are going to actually be uh, in on a goalie uh, at this deadline. But uh, if there is it, like, there are probably not too many better options than Riddich available in terms of, like, legitimate backups for you know, a team like Colorado or Toronto, if that's where they want to look. And then up front, you have a couple guys like Josh Levo, uh, Derek Ryan. Um, th- those guys would probably fetch some kind of mid to late round pick, I would assume. And obviously the big name is Johnny Goudreau. You know, I, I think if there's a team that wants to say like Boston feels like the perfect destination, obviously we'll talk about Boston when we get there. We're like, Boston feels like the perfect destination for like a Johnny Goudreau. If you feel you want to move on from him, the team buying him would probably pay more because they're getting two years or two cup runs pretty much with him at 6.75 before he's a UFA after next off season. And uh, honestly, I don't see it happening, but Mark Giordano is another name where it's like, if you want to get assets and accelerate a rebuild, trading your captain who's still pretty solid, but 37 years old at a 6.75 cap, it might not be the worst idea. Yeah, if Gio was problem is 19 team no trade clause, so he could technically make himself untradeable essentially if he wanted to. But I would be very much in on selling Giordano if you could. Like I'd sell anyone not named Chuck on this roster. Yeah, I would agree as well. I, I think that um, you know they're probably going to look at it as not quite as hard of a rebuild. Like I'm assuming they'll probably want to keep Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannafin. Uh, Valimaki, obviously, pretty much anyone 24 under. Um, so Kachuk, uh, but you know, they might be willing to move on from Monaghan. I think that would be a summer deal just because of the salary. And honestly, Goudreau and Giordano might be summer deals too. But you know, we talk about the Taylor Hall buying. Like, if Calgary retains, say, two and a bit million on Goudreau, like you're getting Goudreau for four million bucks for two playoff runs. Like, what, what team wouldn't want that on their left wing, you know? Yeah, I think so. This would be the perfect time to sell Goudreau, assuming you get more for that second year, which would be logical. But for what they'll actually do, I'm, I would put the odds of them actually trading at like 1%. Yeah, me too. And the thing is, they have Daryl Sutter now locked in for two more years, which kind of, to me, kind of thinks that they probably still want to go for it. I, I would assume that they probably sell like a Levo and a Derek Ryan at the deadline this year, probably get like a, a fifth and a fifth or something like that. Sam Bennett's another name. He obviously requested a trade. I just don't see Sam Bennett being a good player. So I don't like, if I'm a GM of another team, I'm not trying to give up many assets for him. but you know, I, I could see an NHL team convincing that like a third or a fourth round pick is useful for Sam Bennett um, and try and, you know, get, get the Sam Bennett to that top five pick or whatever the hell he was earlier. So um, there's definitely some options with this team. And I think it would be a little disappointing if I'm a Flames fan, if they don't actually make too many moves, you know, like standing Pat is not the move for this team, in my opinion. Yeah, like if they end this trade deadline with one additional fifth round pick and Josh Lebo gone, which is to me sounds pretty re- realistic, I'd be very disappointed as a fan. Yeah, same here. And then, you know, they'd have to see where it goes in the summer. But I definitely think the summer's where they're going to make their big moves. But if you can, I'd be selling uh, at this deadline for sure. 100%. And maybe, maybe everybody's so cash trapped that the Johnny Goodrow trades are better off in the summer. But just from like a theoretical standpoint, I think it makes sense to start selling now. Yep. Uh, Edmonton Oilers are the second on this list. I think they're in a tough spot because, you know, I, I feel like you shouldn't be wasting any year you have with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And they're kind of in that mold where it's like, you know, yes, Toronto's in the division, but what better year are you going to have to go for it? Like, like, like there's a couple teams in this Canadian division where you look at it and you go, 
realistically, what year is going to be better to go for like than this? And obviously Toronto's a massive one, but it's not like Edmonton's not in that mold either. You know, Edmonton, uh, yeah, Toronto's in this division right now, but usually they have to play Vegas in their division, which uh, is not easy. I'd argue it's probably a little harder, you know? And um, so uh, this is kind of a year where it's like, I think, you know, I would want to go in, but the problem is they already traded their second, third and fifth round picks for this year. You know, they traded their second last year when they picked up, I want to say it was Athens CU. Yeah, it was Athens CU. Um, and then they traded their third back in 2019 when they traded that James Neal deal for Milan Lucic. Um, and then they traded their fifth round pick away uh, for Tyler Ennis last season. So it's not like they have, like they have all of their next year's picks to work with, but like in terms of making, uh, acquiring an impact player, they don't have like a ton of space to do so. And even if they did, they don't have a ton of assets to use. Yeah. It seems like they're either based on their assets. They're either going big game hunting where you're trading your first or they're trading like a sixth and a C level prospect for the Josh Levos of the world. Yeah. And like, even that they need to move, like they have zero deadline cap space projected because they're in the LTIR zone right now. So like they would probably have to move a contract out. So like I could, I, I think, you know, I don't think standing Pat would be the worst thing for this team either. Like they're, they're kind of in that neutral zone where it's like, I could definitely see them winning around, maybe even two, you know, you got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on your team, but I don't think they should be the favorite to come out of this division. And if they did make it to the conference finals, I think they would probably be the fourth best team there. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. They're in a weird spot. I would, I think standing Pat's probably smart, but like, you're right. Like, there's not really going to be another chance. They're 13th in cup odds, so it's not even like they're that looking that good with 16 playoff teams this year. But also, I don't know when it's going to get better. So if they bought, it wouldn't be the worst thing. No, I just I don't I really don't know who they're going to buy that they can fit in with. You know how tight they are to the cap. So um, yeah, I, I think I would stand pat. I think this summer, you know, this summer they get a, a bunch of money off the books, and then. Um, you know, the next summer they get a bunch of money off the books too, but there's some big extensions coming up. You know, you got to see how Darnell Nurse plays again next year because if he plays like he is playing this year, he's going to get a huge ticket. Um, you know, he's been really good this year. Tyson Berry, I, I hope they don't resign him for Edmonton's fan sakes. He's been great for them on the power play, but it's been exactly that power play production. So, I, again, I, I think this will be a team that maybe makes some more moves in the summer, but I could see them stand a pad this deadline. Yeah, and I think that's probably. Usually cap space is just like a dumb excuse or whatever, but if they say, whatever, we don't have the space, our team's pretty good, roll with this team, that'd be pretty fair. Yep. Um, Montreal Canadiens, again, I don't need to spend too much time on this one, I don't think, but, uh, you know, they, they added Eric Stahl. Obviously, we talked about that last week. We thought it was a pretty good move at 50%. He came down 1.625 for his AAV price tag. Um, this team is just kind of, you know, very clearly the fourth best team in this division. They are... Uh, um, eight points up on the Canucks right now and five points behind the Oilers. Granted, they have four point four games in hand. So, you know, maybe if they go on a bit of a streak here, maybe we're calling them the second or third best team in the division, but by the standings right now, they're pretty clearly in fourth. And again, they're, they're just one of those teams where it's like, they fit into the mold of like, well, what better year than this year are you going to have to go for it? But at the same time, like, are your chances amazing this year to go for it? And I'd say not really. I could see them adding another like depth forward. Brendan Gallagher sounds like he, he uh, fractured his thumb. He's going to be out for over a m- month now. So if there's a cheap right winger or a winger or something like that, that they could get in on, they still have two seconds, their own first, two thirds, three fourths, two fifths this year. Uh, I could see them making a play and they have about $1.8 million in deadline cap space. So I could see them making a play for, you know, uh, 
a second, but probably a third line winger, maybe if they want some more depth, but that's about it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Guess where they are in uh, cup odds yeah, out of the league? Uh, I would assume they're higher than Edmonton because I know their expected goals is really strong. Yeah, they're higher than Edmonton and Winnipeg. They're in 10th, just ahead yeah, of that- doesn't shock me just in terms of I think they probably think this division's pretty like Winnipeg and Edmonton don't exactly control play, especially Edmonton when they're you know Leon and McDavid are off the ice. And I mean Winnipeg, and we've talked about this a lot. They feel like a, a team that could get just absolutely exposed come playoff time. So yeah, so I, I wouldn't hate seeing them add some depth. They have like, so many draft picks too, where it's like I think we're both of the you know mind of like it's not a bad thing to have draft picks, but when you're a team like this, where it's like they are kind of in as sad as it sounds, they are kind of in a competing window right now. Like I wouldn't mind seeing them go spend a third or a fourth if they're like like even a Josh Levo for like a fifth round pick. I, I don't think that's a bad addition or anything. Yeah, if you just saw their cap sheet, you'd kind of think they're in win now mode. Yeah, well, it's just like it, it. Part of that doesn't help that they have Weber and Price, obviously, under their massive contracts. But like the Gallagher and Petrie extensions kick in next year, and and that's like those are going to be so aggressive. Oh, we talked about that at the time, and I saw someone else bring it up in the Ottawa circle this year. Uh, it's like I, I just I never understood why it was considered such a win because you know Petrie's been amazing this year, and honestly, like it might be a win in terms of his AAV might have been higher, but the contract still kicks in when he's 34 years old till he's 38. Like that's not exactly the years you want to sign a guy for 6.25 million. And I love Brendan Gallagher, but that contract kicks in when he's 29 all the way until like he's 37. And he plays a very, very hard style game. Yeah. Brendan, Brendan Gallagher was like a lot better in his prime than Wayne Simmons, but like, he seems like he's going to age that way. Maybe Lucic is a better comparable because Lucic was like a legitimate first line at like elite play driver and everything to a five on five and Lucic still fell off pretty hard. Yeah. And like Lucic now we've talked about a couple of times, like a third or fourth liner and there's value to that, but not at $6 million. Exactly. He's like a slightly above replacement level player. Yeah. 100%. So yeah, I I think I would be okay to see this team add another piece. I I don't think it would be the most outrageous thing in the world. Uh, You know, I would say they should add a piece on their blue line, but they seem very happy with their blue line. So you know, I, I don't see them doing that unless it's very much a depth piece. But, um, yeah, and then obviously in net, you're not adding anything with Jake Allen and Gary Price already there. No, if you could find a way to inject some shooting talent, that'd be nice. But to get shooting talent, you're kind of going like big game hunting. And I don't know if that's, that's smart for a team that's fourth place in its own division. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ottawa Senators, uh, they are, you know, a seller, our first, I, I think they will sell. Uh, how many pieces? I don't know. They have a couple names that I would sell, and I want to get your opinion. Uh, I had Trevor Shackles on the my other podcast, actually, last night. It'll be probably out yesterday by the time this one's out. But uh, we talked about the Ottawa Senators deadline. We looked at a couple names. So, um, you know, the, the, the ones I hope they sell is Brayden Coburn and Eric Branson, just because I don't want to see them on this goddamn team anymore. Um, I, it sounds like there is some interest from teams on Coburn because he's a cup winner, even though he played three games and 40 minutes in that cup, the entirety of the cup run last year. Um, but he is a cup winner technically. So, they, you know, that comes apparently with experience. So I, I could see him being flipped for a sixth or seventh round pick to some team as a seventh defenseman. Uh, I hope Good Branson gets moved. 
He might not because of his price tag. You know, he's got a $4 million AAV, which I think remaining, it's about 1.1. So it's not too bad to, to move out of him, but um, it'll it'll just depend on the interest. Uh, and then a couple other names here. Uh, Artem Anisimov, again, he makes 4.5 for this year, which is quite a bit for what he brings. I could see there being interest if Ottawa retains, but for a depth pick. Uh, and then the two ones that have caused a lot of discussion in Ottawa here is um, Brian Dezingle and uh, Mike Riley. I'll start with the Zingle. I, I think he absolutely should go if I'm Ottawa, unless it's like a sixth or seventh round pick is all you can get from him. And you know that you can get him on a one-year deal, like say 3 million next year. That's the only circumstance I think I'd want to see them keep him. If you're getting offered a fourth or even a fifth round pick for Ryan Dezingle, who was found money for you in a six goal shooting 24% right now, uh, I would just be flipping Ryan Dezingle. Yeah, it's a great story that he comes back to Ottawa and it's, looks like it's a lot of PDO heater with that shooting percentage. But like, if you can ride that narrative that you kind of fixed trying to single again and you get a pick for him, I think you absolutely have to take it. Yeah, I agree. Like there's the narrative in Ottawa right now is people want to see him re-sign to like a two or three year deal. Like he's on the fourth line guys. Like you don't sign any fourth liner to a multi-year deal. Like, come on. That'd be an expensive fourth liner too. Yeah. So I imagine um, you're not signing him to league man, right? No, I am assuming it would be, well, that's why I said, like, on a one-year deal, I wouldn't mind it if you're signing to two or three. Because, like, I, I don't know what he's I, – I, I doubt he's going to get more than, what, two and a half? I'll yeah, say a two-year deal, probably. And the nice, nice thing about Dezingle is he had success there, left, came back, and got had success. So, say you trade him for, like, a fourth-round pick, you might be able to sign him in free agency anyway. Well, and that, that's the thing. It's like I don't see why people just assume that trading him away means he's never going to come back. It's like he might like just like in Ottawa and know that he, he's going to do better. And guess what? If he signs a one-year deal again next summer, he gets another shot to go to another cup team probably at the deadline. You know, So um, I, I would definitely trade him if you can get any kind of pick. Mike Riley is the interesting one. If you would have asked me about a month ago, I would have said take him for free. I don't care. But he's actually been really good in Ottawa, You know, especially the past month or two. He's really stepped up. Him and Zub have been a great pairing together. Uh, if you're not getting – a second or a third round pick, which I don't think you will with Mike Riley. Uh, Trevor Shackles made this point last uh, on my po- other podcast. And, you know, a lot of Riley's value comes from the analytical side of things. He has 17 assists, which is great, but zero goals. So I don't think he's going to demand a huge price tag or, you know, I don't think you're getting more than a fourth or fifth round pick from him. And if that's the case and Ottawa thinks they have a good chance to sign him to like a, a two year deal at a three point something AAV, I would absolutely be okay seeing them sign him and him being the stock gap between Jake Sanderson. Yeah, if you could re-sign Mike Riley, I think that'd be great. Because like you said, he's uh, most of his value comes from the things that don't really get you paid. So you could probably get him for a lot less than he's worth. And there's value in just having like not a complete wasteland around Thomas Shabbat. So yeah, I would like that. If they could get like a second round pick for him, it'd be kind of hard to turn down. But I feel like that would be a reasonable enough move if they re-signed him because I imagine he's coming cheap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you're getting a second or say a third in a prospect, I think you still have to take the deal just because, you know, as much as I like Mike Riley, you can find a Mike Riley type relatively easy. Like they had Dylan DeMello last year, who was a little better than Mike Riley, but not far off of Mike Riley, but right-handed, you know what I mean? So like, it's not like these guys are impossible to come by, but if they, like, I, I don't really see the value of him being more in a fourth or fifth round pick, just seeing what we've seen GMs give up. So 
Um, yeah, if I'm Ottawa, I think if you're not getting good enough value for Mike Riley, keep him. I would love to see him sign to a two-year deal because I think that would be perfect. Jake Sanderson's back in school next year, so you can run Shabbat, Riley, Branstrom down the left side. And then in two years from now, if Sanderson's not ready to step right in the NHL, you have Mike Riley there. And if he is, guess what? You can trade Mike Riley or he can be your seventh defenseman. I don't really care. Exactly. And that seems it seems like he's kind of thrived in that role this year. So, Yep, Maybe. exactly. So um, we're already over the 15-minute mark for the Canadian division. I figured this one would be the longest one anyways, though. Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, you know, buying, I, obviously, right? Like, it'll be yep. interesting to see what they can do. Uh, they have $2.1 million in deadline cap space right now. Um, so they're, the, the, rumor, the biggest rumor is they're looking for a top six left winger. So like a, a Taylor Hall, a Kyle Palmieri. Um, uh, oh, who's the guy in the Ducks? Ricard Raquel, he's been linked to them as well. Is there anyone you want to see Toronto go out and get at this deadline? I kind of want like a Taylor Hall quality player or nothing, really, if that makes sense. Like if you're going to do it, do it. Don't okay. give up yeah. like a first and a second for Ricard Raquel, who's like slightly above league average or whatever. Like get Taylor freaking Hall if you're going to buy make yourself into like a legitimately terrifying team to play against or get like a Josh Levo of the world just for some depth or something like don't kind of get, I don't really want them to get the Michael Grandlands of the world who are like just slightly above league average. Cause I think those guys tend to cost way too much at the deadline. Yeah. Especially with like uh, Raquel and even Kyle Palmieri. Like I don't mind Palmieri as a player. He had a really good season last year. He's having a not good season this year. And, Two years ago, it was a, a mixed kind of bag. So, you know, like that's kind of a player where it's like, he'll definitely provide you value. But for like, if your options are a first round pick for Taylor Hall or a first round pick for Granlin or Palmieri, one of those players, you're probably going to get a lot, a lot more potential value out of anyways. Obviously, Taylor Hall's had some struggles, but this year he's been legitimately good. He just can't put the puck in the net, which and I'm not going to blame all on him, you know, so um it's one of those things where I, I definitely think they could go all in or you know if they're not going to go all in just add maybe maybe a depth defenseman maybe a depth forward but they, they're pretty set with those you know like they do have a pretty deep team I, I know people like to joke sometimes about you know their development system or whatever but like they have legitimately just through free agent signings and you know some of their prospects in the minors they probably have legitimately like 14 NHL forwards and I would say eight NHL defenseman, which has been the average for what teams use who have won the cup. Um, so I, I think they're pretty good there. Uh, you know, we, we can get more into it a little bit. I, I heard like overdrive the other day, right after they were done dishing on uh, dishing on Martin Marinson, talking about how the Leafs should go out and add Brayden Coburn. I was like, you were 10 times better with Martin Marinson as your seventh or eighth defenseman than you are getting Brayden Coburn to play three games. But um, what, what do you uh, make of the Leafs should go out and acquire a backup if they're worried that Frederick Anderson won't be good to go? Um, so like, if you're certain that Freddie can't play, I don't hate the idea of having a backup, but the idea of getting a third goalie is insane to me. Yeah. If, if you're even like, if it looks like, cause you know, the, the biggest question obviously is that both Campbell and Anderson have had injury problems, but like, uh, like who are you adding at this deadline? Like I, I've seen Bernier floated around, even though like, I mentioned Dave Riddich earlier, but like if you're picking up Dave Riddich as your third string goalie and he's who you're hoping to take you on a massive cup run, your odds are, you know, probably shot more than not already, you know? Yeah, exactly. Cause the thing is everybody seems to be, or like Linus Olmark or whatever, but everybody talking about the Leafs buying a goalie 
conveniently leaves out the fact that you basically cannot predict goaltending at all. So like, I don't know, I'd rather just have Freddie Anderson, a guy who at least had like five straight, really, really good seasons and say, you know what, if he gets hot at the right time, we're set. And if he doesn't, Linus Olmark probably wasn't any more likely to get hot at the right time either. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, moving on. Let's get, let's get through these last two teams in the Canadian division real quick. Vancouver, this is a tough one because they would have been sellers for sure. Uh, this COVID stuff has absolutely wiped through their team. And the rumor has been like literally almost 20 players probably have it. Uh, it sounds like it's been some brutal management from the, the league as well. Uh, I'm just going to skip over them. I, I really don't think they're going to sell too much just because we've seen code. Like apparently some of their guys are in brutal condition too. And we've seen guys, you know, struggle, struggle to even rebound, but you know, if they are in a position where, you know, they, they can sell and teams are okay with that, you know, uh, I think someone like Tanner Pearson will be sell, sold Brandon Sutter, maybe if they can re- retain some salary, uh, you know, Alex Edler might be a, and Jordy Ben, you know, Travis Hammond, those kind of guys will probably be who they try to move out, but uh, let's just hope for good health right now. Yeah, hundred percent. It's the worst um, that like millions of people still seem to believe that young and healthy people aren't affected by COVID as if all these pro at like the Canucks are having a terrible time with it. Like Miles Garrett had a terrible time with it. And these guys are like 28 year olds in better shape than the vast majority of people will ever be in their lives. Marco Rossi is just starting to get light exercise right now. And he had COVID at the beginning of the year. Like he had to go all the way back to his home, like to, uh, Switzerland, right? And yeah, like he's been there for months now because dealing with it. It's not, yeah, it's not some fake hoax that, you know, only affects old people or out of shape people or whatever. It affects everyone. So yeah, 18-year-old Marco Rossi might have his career derailed by it. Exactly. Um, the Winnipeg Jets, this is a team that we'll be adding. Again, we're a little lower on this team than I think everyone or, you know, the general public is. But if I am adding, and I, I don't see, like, I don't disagree with, again, this is their year. They got Connor Hollebuck. They have a decent top six. Uh, I would be looking to add to that defense core because it sucks, frankly. And I think their biggest problem is they're still they're determined to play Josh Morrissey, and Josh Morrissey is brutal. Like he, I don't know what happened to him, but he is not good anymore. Yeah, him and Truma really were had like a profitable friendship that when they've split has went miserably for both of them. Yeah, but like if, he, his numbers are horrid, and they were not good last year either. Is there a team that needs Mike Riley more? than the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, like, they could add, like, Mike Riley, uh, what's the guy from the Predator, Ryan Ellis. Like, they should be on, in on literally any defenseman that is just okay. They should be trying to add him. You know, if they're, if they're elite, even better, you know? Yeah, they should be all in on that defense. Because, again, yes. we don't think they're a great team, but the division sucks, and you're kind of pot committed with this core anyways, so you might as well go for it. Yep. And if you add, you know, two good, legitimately good defense, like if you added, say, Ellis, who's a top pair defenseman to bump Morrissey down, and then you also added, say, uh, Mike Riley, like suddenly your defense core looks legitimately good. And it's suddenly this team goes from, oh, this team's not very good to, wow, this has one of the better defense cores in the league if they use them properly. So even, you know, with some of the defensive downfalls, these player talent uh, boosts might be able to make up for that. Exactly. Because if they can get enough competent defensemen to where they're like a, a league average XG team, then they're really happy with that because they have a ton of shooting talent, Connor Hellebuck. Exactly. All right, let's run through the West now. Um, we'll try and get a little bit closer to 15 minutes on this one. But yeah, honestly, if we go over, I, I don't mind either. 20 minutes is probably good as well on each each uh, division. Uh, the longer episode, but that's, I, I think, you know, I, I enjoy them anyways when people have longer episodes. So let's start with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, sellers, for sure. Uh, 
I want to get your opinion real quick because I, I don't think there's too much to talk about. Like this team's going to sell the obvious. If someone wants to take Ben Hutton, great. If someone wants to take Ryan Miller and Ryan Miller wants to leave, great. Uh, Getzlav's the interesting one. He's got a huge price tag, but it would be, I would love to see him go to a cup contender. And, um, you know, David Backus is the other one. If they retain on him, maybe someone sees some veteran leadership in David Backus. But uh, I wanted to talk to you. Did you see the note that they sent out to their fans the other day um, when they sent down uh, Trevor Zegras? I did, and it really confused me. So I, there was, obviously we were in a group chat and, and there was a bunch of the guys that were like, what the hell is this? This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I thought it was a fine way to get across to your fans who are very obviously pissed that in a year that means nothing, you just sent your 20-year-old prospect who's been playing pretty well from you know, seven points in 17 games in the NHL. You sent them down, they're going, what the hell? Um, I don't mind them sending out a note and just being like, hey, like, this guy's way ahead of our development schedule. We thought he would be a year behind this. So we want him to go to the center, uh, center position. We think that's an easier transition than the AHL. I have no problem sending a note like that out uh, through social media, just so like you don't have to do it through the reporters and you can get your message out to your fans. I, I wouldn't want to say it's something teams should do literally every time, but like I, for that one scenario, I thought it made enough sense. I didn't understand why everyone's ripping on them. Yeah, some of the guys were kind of chirping it, and I thought that was weird. It confused me. Like, I thought it was odd, but I, it makes sense. Be honest up front with your fans about a decision that's going to piss some of them off. Like, that seems reasonable enough to me. I'd rather that than just no explanation or just like, yeah, he's not ready for the NHL. Exactly. And there's a sort of, like, stigma around getting sent down because it's, like, it's sometimes looked at as if you're a failure when you get into the NHL. You can't quite crack it so then you get sent back down so this way it's like you avoid that sort of like you failed narrative around them too yep um the one thing i didn't know about ricard raquel so he's on the ir right now obviously he took a brutal hit a, a week ago but um i didn't really see an extra year left on his contract yet too oh he does I thought yeah. He was UFA. yeah no he's, he's a ufa after the 2022 season so any team picking him up would have two playoff runs so um yeah, uh, that's another name. If he's healthy, I definitely could see them selling. Uh, Getzlav's definitely the biggest name. I, From what I hear, it doesn't sound like he's going to go anywhere, but it would be cool if he did. Yeah, because he's got that no-move, right? Yeah, yeah, he's got a full no-move clause, and, like, I don't know. Yeah, It just kind of seems like one of those things where he might just play out his career here or might just choose where he wants to go at the you know next year, summer. But um, I, don't, I don't know. If he's going to leave, I definitely think that trading him would be the best option for both sides. But, again, he's got a pretty hefty cap hit as well, so – Trying to work that for some teams might be tough. Yeah, that could be tough. But Ryan Getzlaff seems like the team, the kind of guy that NHL front offices would love to overpay for at the trade deadline if you wanted to go. Absolutely. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, Arizona Coyotes are the next team up on our list. This is a team that I think should be selling, but they're in a playoff spot right now, and I don't think they will. I think this team might stand back. Teams love to not even sell when they're in like 10th place out of like eight. So I would be really shocked if they do sell, but they should. Yeah, uh, they, they probably should. They have a bunch of UFAs like Jason Demers, Jordan, Austral, uh, Alex Golgoski, uh up front. They got like Derek Broussard. Uh, it's not like these guys are going to fetch much, but it's like this team is going to get their doors blown off in round one by the Avalanche or Golden Knights, whoever they end up facing. Um, if they even make the playoffs, but like the blues have been on a horrendous slide and we'll get to them in a second, obviously. But um, yeah, I would be definitely selling if I was this team, but I, I really do think they're going to probably just stamp at. 
Yeah, they're the classic team where like all of their underlying numbers look bad and they're being outscored and yet they're still going to probably talk themselves into that they're good because they're looks like they're almost certainly going to make the playoffs. Yeah, in a division we already thought was pretty bad and it turns out the Blues are even worse than we thought. So it's like even worse, you know, like this is like a gimme to get in the playoffs basically. Oh, 100%. I think the Blues playoff odds are like 1% at this point. They'd have to make up five points. Yeah. one game in hand that's not the easiest thing to do with the loser point in the nhl so my favorite is the injured reserve for the arizona coyotes tyler pitlick anti-ranta darcy kemper uh nick jarmelson marriott hosa hosa is still on their books for one more year maybe i forgot about it. they signed hosa till he was 43 then jesus yeah well I, he's up this year i guess but it's yeah it's that uh the, the, the blackhawks trade or whatever it's like i the arizona coyotes great marriott hosa i love it but um and that's yeah they, yeah, exactly. Um, Colorado Avalanche on the next team. They're going to be buying, obviously. Uh, I got to write a piece actually for Mile High Hockey. I looked at why they could take a look at Ryan Nzingle. Uh, I think if they're going to buy, it's going to be a depth forward at, you know, in the bottom six. They're kind of opposite of Toronto where um, they already have a really, I mean, Toronto has a really good top six as well, but uh, the Avs literally don't have the cap space to make much work here. And to me, just moving out of contract doesn't make a ton of sense like for Toronto if they need to move out like Kerfoot it's maybe not ideal but definitely doable like the Avs probably won't be able to move out like Jonas Donskoy for anyone um so I don't really see them being able to make much of a move other than maybe they want to add another depth defenseman because they've dealt with so many injuries um but if they do add you know they're kind of in the same boat as Toronto where some people want them to add a backup because Philip Grubauer is playing at an all-star level but Frank Kuz is not doesn't look like he's going to play at all this year I don't think that's the right move for them. Obviously, we talked with um, – um, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. I apologize. Uh, Peter from The Athletic yet last week about what, you know, we think they should do. Uh, I, I think depth forward is probably the move, if anything, here. Yeah, I think it's like the Josh Levo type. They're pretty much set in stone with no space to work with. So I, they're a team that I also think should avoid that middle class. It doesn't look like they have the cap space to do it. So it'll, it'll be fine if they just kind of tinker on the edges. Seems reasonable enough because they're killing teams as is. Yep. Um, you know, in the past couple of deadlines, Sackick has liked to just kind of add a, a speed, you know, a, a faster bottom six guy. You know, Nemestikov was last year. Um, you know, I think it was Broussard a couple of years ago when he had at least a little bit of wheels. Like not, it's not Obviously, he wasn't a, a burner or anything, but that's why I thought Ryan Zingle could be a good fit, you know. Um, I, but I, I really, I think it'll be a bottom six four or nothing for this team. I They're so good as they are. I, I don't think they need to do too much adding. And really, their deadline addition was in Devon Taves in the summer, really, and, and Brandon Saad. Yep, and those have worked out pretty damn well for them. Yep. Uh, Los Angeles Kings, they're obviously going to be selling as well. You know, they were kind of around the playoff hunt, fell off aggressively. You know, they now need to make up seven points in um, the last uh, 16 to 18 games here. That's not happening. Um, they're in a pretty good spot right now. They have their own first, two seconds, two thirds, Calgary's fourth, and then a fifth and a sixth. Um, Alex Iafalo is the name that uh, they were named. That's a name that apparently was linked to like a team like Toronto too. He's their only UFA this year, actually, which is shocking. Um, I still think that, you know, uh, you know, he's someone they could trade. And then other than that, like there's just not too many names. They're kind of at the point where it looks like they're probably done selling and they're at the point of the rebuild where they'll probably sell off what they can over the next year or two, but it's not going to be too much as they work these young guys in. Yeah. And that makes sense for them. I will say there's should be a little bit more of a buyer beware than there is on Alex. I follow because a lot of the times players like that have like decent point totals. 
But the reason is because he has as much power play ice time as Austin Matthews. And when he goes to a contender, that will not be the case. Yeah, I, I think the good thing about Ayafalo, though, is that, well, at least this year, his defensive impact has been really strong. Um, it's been average in years past. But um, so at least, you know, if he's not going to get that offensive impact that he's had in L.A., you can hope that you plug him in on your third line. He's a good defensive forward for you who can play power play, too. And I, I do think there's some value to that still. Yeah, there's some utility there. It's not like he's a, a useless player or whatever, but some people just kind of fall in love with these kind of players around the trade deadline. And they end up producing a lot less on contenders because they're not getting the same opportunities that they were on these teams. Yeah, for sure. Um, Athanasiu is another guy that, uh, you know, he's a, he's an RFA, but we've seen him dealt a couple of times. Uh, he has 15 points at 29 games this year. I haven't really kept up with how he was doing, but, you know, he's another guy. He's one of those guys with speed where it feels like he'll always probably have an opportunity in the NHL. He's been pretty good offensively, pretty bad everywhere else. Um, so uh, he would be a depth addition for a team if they really wanted. I don't think the days of going for a second round pick are probably over. But, um, you know, if, if L.A. doesn't see him in their long term plans, uh, a depth pick for him might not be bad either. Yeah, if you pick up like a fourth round pick to him, he's kind of the perfect player to have, because no matter what his results are, somebody will be able to talk themselves into that guy's speed. Yep, absolutely. Um, Minnesota Wild. This is a team that going into the year, I thought, you know, maybe they'd be in a position to sell. They kind of thought they might be in a position to sell. Uh, I would think they're going to stand pat at this deadline. I don't think they're even, you know, with how great this year has been, they came into the year. They have two firsts this year, two thirds, uh, both Pittsburgh's obviously. Um, They came into this year kind of saying that this was a rebuilding year and then they've punched above expectations. I don't think it would make sense to completely divert from the plan and just go all in buying right now, especially because you have two juggernauts in your division and that's going to be hard to get through them. Maybe they make a depth ad or something like that, but I don't see them selling and I don't see them going big fish hunting really. No, I doubt they will. Although given like those Suter, Spurgeon contracts, the Parise contract, the Zuccarello contract, this, they have two juggernauts in their division, but just looking at the way this team's been playing at even strength, this might be the best team they have for a while. So I wouldn't hate if they bought. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I wouldn't, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't blame them, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think, I think it would be, I'm trying to think of who their usual division is um, when they're not. They have 2019 NHL divisions. Cause I, I like, my biggest thing is I feel like, the Avs are in their usual division, right? Yeah, the Avs are, but I the, the Golden Knights are out, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah, it's Avs, Preds, Jets, Blues, Stars, Blackhawks, and them. So, like next year, if the the, the divisions go back to normal, and they'll have um, Arizona goes over to that division, I believe next year too, because Seattle's coming into the Pacific. Um, but like, oh, yeah. so next year the Blackhawks aren't any good, the Coyotes aren't any good. The stars are aging. The blues look like a disaster this year. The jets we think are overrated. The predators are a middling team and the avalanche are really good. Like, I don't know. I would almost want to see roll it back next year, you know, and maybe, maybe you could use one of those first round picks you got this year at the draft and and try and pick up like a, a Johnny Goudreau or something like that for next year and go at it. But maybe you do that at the deadline. You have them for two playoff runs. So uh, I don't know. Like I, if I'm buying, I would think I would rather see this team buy for multiple playoff runs, not just this year, but um, that, that could be tough to do too. Yeah. I'd like, I'd like to see this team go for it for two years. That'd be all right. Cause you kind of don't have a choice. You're in a really weird spot with your cap that like, you're basically just trying to win now 
because it's probably not going to be very easy with like 38 year old suitor. Yeah. Well, and even as much as I love Kirill Kaprasov, it's not like this dude's a 19 year old busting out of the scene playing like this, right? Like he's already 23 years old. So who knows how many years of true dominant level you have. And like people sometimes scoff at that, but like we've seen guys who just aren't quite as effective when they get to age 28. And again, it's not everyone, but you can't just assume that Kaprasov is going to be this dominant force for like eight to nine more years, you know? Exactly. And it's not like he's been that good. Like he's been very good. He's got a lot of shooting talents is what he has. Like, yeah. And he's been a revelation just for making the team watchable and fun and everything. But like, he's kind of on a, his underlying numbers don't look great. And yet he still only has what, like 30 points in 40 games this year. Like, it's not like this is a 23 year old that you're thinking is going to win the heart anytime soon. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, I don't know. I I wouldn't uh, hate to see them go in this year, but I I think if you're going to buy this year, I would hope that it also has some uh, layover to next year because next year I think they have just as good, if not better of a chance at, at at least trying to make some noise. Yeah, not having to go through Vegas in the second or the first round and then Colorado in the second would be very nice. Yeah, um, the, the San Jose Sharks, we don't have to spend too much time on this team because it sucks. Uh, Ryan Donato, RFA, Marcus Sorensen, UFA, uh, Patrick Marlowe, if he wants to go anywhere, although he's pretty freaking washed. I can't see too many teams wanting him. Um, on the blue line, guess what? They have all the contracts just forever signed, so – um, they're not really trading anyone there. I highly doubt anyone wants Devin Dubnik. That's pretty much this team in a nutshell. They are just in cap hell right now. Yep. They sell anything with a UFA next to it because your team sucks and it's old and it's expensive. Sell anything anyone even remotely wants other than like maybe Timo Meyer. Yeah. Exactly. And even him, like, I, I don't know. I, I would hear an argument that if some team wants to give me a first plus for Timo Meyer, like he's 24 you're not getting out of this rebuild for at least three or four years. I would assume he's going to be 27, 28 by the time you're done. I would sell anything you possibly can here, to be honest. You could be talked into basically anyone pretty easily on this team to be sold. Yeah. Um, St. Louis blues. Uh, this is a team that uh, we weren't expecting to be uh, this bad. I, you know, I think you said they were a distant third. I thought they were a little closer, maybe to the top three, but I did not see them being not even in a playoff spot in this division. Uh, this has been ugly for St. Louis. Yeah, this is like a legitimate disaster for St. Louis. Yeah, like it's this is supposed to be the core that, you know, you're trying to patch it together and go for it for a couple more years. And it's been disgusting. And like it's to the point where I think they probably should sell this year. Uh, Tyler Bozak, Mike Hoffman, Jaden Schwartz. Uh, maybe you keep Schwartz if you want to try and reload and go for it again next year. But Bozak's 35, uh, Hoffman's 31, and it has not been a good fit with the team anyways. Um, you know, those are the two guys I would look at selling. But then – other than that, everyone's kind of locked in. Vince Dunn's another name where it's like, if you don't think you're going to be able to re-sign him next year, uh, he could probably fetch a decent thing. He, that would Vince Dunn would be a great target for someone like Boston or uh, Winnipeg, like we mentioned earlier. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a disaster year for St. Louis. They're five points out of a playoff spot. They're going to need a miracle run to get in and catch Arizona here with, you know, it, it feels weird saying they need a miracle run at game 38, but there's literally under 20 games left to play now. Yep. And it looks like they're screwed, basically. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I'm sure in there internally, they're probably saying like, oh, we came back from dead last couple of years ago, but like a couple of years ago, even when they were dead last, it was like, they were top half of the team and playing like possession metrics. And you could see why, like they were just getting unlucky this year. They ranked 23rd in Corsi four percentage. 
and they rank uh, 21st in expected goals. So it's not like this is a team dominating play and just needs a little tweak. This is a team that just isn't very good anymore or right now. Yeah, whatever they're doing is not working. So you basically just have to punt because. Yeah, and punt and hope you can figure it out next year because there's still the core of a good team here. But like, you know, and Jordan Bennington, you know, he's coming under fire too. And he's just signed that fresh extension as well. So it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I would be trading, you know, uh, definitely Bozak, definitely Hoffman. I think you could probably get uh, Bozak. I, I honestly think you could probably get a second round pick for him. I haven't even checked how he's doing this year, but he's just a guy who carries a bunch of name value. He's been, you know, a lifer in the NHL. So, uh, and then obviously Mike Hoffman, I think if you're retained, you could probably still get a fourth or fifth for him just because of his pure shooting talent. I would think so. Some team who needs to juice their second power play. Bozak's the perfect guy because he's really, really, he's the right-handed center is really, really, really good at face-offs. Yeah, so, so like I, I, I do really think that a team would probably give up. And he hasn't even been good this year for what it's worth, but I do really think a team would still probably give up a decent asset for Tyler Bozak. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. He's a good guy to have around the deadline. Yeah. Um, uh, last team here, Vegas Golden Knights. They will probably be buying, if anything, but they have very little cap space to do so. Uh, they're a team that obviously with uh, Petrangelo made their – their deadline acquisition acquisition in the summer. That being said, they still still seem to be on in on everyone. So um, we'll see where it goes. You know, they have uh, 184k in deadline cap space. Um, the one thing that they have going for them that I don't think is being talked about enough is they don't need to worry about the expansion draft. Uh, they are not losing a player to Seattle, which is kind of stupid in my mind, but whatever. Um, but they they're one of the few teams that can make a move without actually having to worry about losing someone this summer. Yeah, that was one of those things that made sense of the time, assuming that Vegas was going to be bad. It's like, why kind of punish them again? But now that they're good, it's just hilarious that they're not, uh, they don't have to give up anyone in the expansion draft. Yeah, well, it was like, I, I get it too. Like, if I'm paying $500 million for a new franchise, I don't want to lose one of my players for nothing when another new franchise comes in two years later. But, uh, and they're also not getting, um, like, the owner's not getting part of the, the money share. Um, so that that's basically the biggest why reason why he pretty much traded a player for like whatever it would be $12 million of profit sharing for him or 15, I guess. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know, they're, they're in a rare situation where uh, maybe that affects their deadline. They have such little cap space. I kind of doubt it, but uh, we'll have to see. Yeah. Their team's just really, really good. No space. I wouldn't hate if they just said, this is our team. See if we can win a cup or not. Yeah, and they're also in a situation where it's less so because they can definitely take on Colorado head-to-head, but they have an easier path next year, too, when they're not in a division with Colorado, you know? Exactly. You have to, They have to go through two teams before they see you next year, at least. Yeah, exactly, right? And it's like, and then those two teams are like the Pacific team, so it's like a Vancouver, Calgary, or Edmonton, or like Arizona. It, like, the, the division is going to be, like, probably horrible next year, so I, I, I could see them just you know, staying with a really, really good team this year and rolling the dice. Yeah, exactly. All right, second division down. That one was in 19 minutes and 26 seconds, or at least under the 20-minute mark. Let's get to the third division. The Central, Carolina Hurricanes, uh, they are going to be buying, I think. Uh, They look like a really good team. Shockingly, not first in the division, and Tampa's not even first in the division. This division's so close, though. It's the Panthers, 56 points, uh, 40 games played. Hurricanes, 38 games played, 55 points. And Lightning, 39 games played, 54 points. So points percentage, the Hurricanes would be in first, and the Lightning and Panther would be, like, almost tied. Uh, 
there's a very clear top three teams. You know, I would argue top two still. I think the Hurricanes and Lightning are a little bit better than the Panthers, but a very clear top three compared to anything else in this division. Uh, I, I think the Hurricanes should buy. You know, obviously Tampa's in the division. That's never easy. Uh, maybe you could argue that in the Metro next year they might have an easier easier path. But like, you know, if you can find an asset to, you know, like I, for me, Taylor Hall on this team would be really cool. Like, um, if you could get a big fish uh, for your top six, that would be awesome. Yeah, I'd love if this team took a swing. And they're one of the they're in a weird scenario where whoever gets out of the Florida, Tampa, and Carolina, whichever two of those three gets stuck playing each other is at such a huge disadvantage. <laughs> You're buying like half just to win the division and half to actually go for the Stanley, like for the playoff run part of it. Yeah, you're buying so you can either get to play the Predators, Blackhawks, or Blues, maybe the Stars, in, in the first round and probably just beat up on them where, like, the Panthers and Lightning are probably going to – or, like, the Panthers and Hurricanes or whatever are going to have one hell of a series if they had to face off in, in round one. And um, the other the upside for Carolina here is they got the most deadline cap space of, like, any playoff team. They got $9 million of deadline cap space right now. So, And all their picks. They, they're in a really good spot to just go for it this year, I think. Yep. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, I, I would, again, I would love to see them add like a, a Taylor Hall or something like that. Um, you know, it's, I don't think Mike Hoffman would necessarily fit this team, but you know, I, I would love to add them just another scoring forward or two. Yeah. The classic need in Carolina, although that yeah. the have kind of solved that. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's not like it's a necessary need anymore, but uh, it's definitely something where it's like, I, I don't think, you know, it never hurts to get more scores in. Right. Exactly. Chicago Blackhawks, again, they should probably be selling. I don't know what they're going to do here. They just traded, you know, I, I think they should be trading any UFA or any, like if, if someone wants Calvin DeHaan for two years, take him. Connor Murphy for two years, take him. I doubt there'll be too many offers, but like Matthias Yanmar, Carl Soderberg, they just traded for Vinny Hinostroza. Any one of those guys, if there's an offer, sell. But uh, I could see this team probably just staying pat where they are and trying to make a bit of a run, but, you know, just not selling, not buying. Yeah, that wouldn't be the worst thing. They should sell, but it's not like they have any like big ticket free agent that it's a disaster if they don't. Yeah, exactly. I think to me, this is one of those teams where it's like heading into the year, they probably had plans to sell. Now that they're two points out of a playoff spot, that probably does mean something to them, especially because in the States, there will likely be like half full buildings, if not more for some of these playoff games. So ticket revenue will actually be like a thing this year. Um, so I could really see them just staying put and trying to catch the Predators for that last spot. And even if it means getting annihilated in five games or whatever, that's probably worth it for them or to them anyways. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like still probably worth it to have the picks in the long run, I'd say, but it doesn't really matter. Like if your owner really wants that playoff revenue, then yeah. whatever. Like, What are you sacrificing? Like a fourth round pick for Vinny Henestrosa? Exactly. Um, Columbus Blue Jackets, they uh, they should be sellers. I, I think they will, too. This is a team that, you know, they're five points out of the playoff spot now, and they have more games played than the Predators. They are really out of it. Like, I haven't checked their playoff odds, but I'd be shocked if it's more than 5%. Um, this is a team that, you know, they have a couple names that they could sell. Nick Foligno, uh, you know, I don't know if I would pay too much of a price for Nick Foligno, but old school hockey guys seem to love him. So I definitely think he'll be in play and something, you know, he's, he's not bad defensively um, by any means, you know, last year he had a pretty solid defensive season. Now he doesn't produce too much offensively, but, you know, plug him in as your third or fourth line center and just say, don't let up goals. And he can do that pretty effectively. 
Uh, other than that, you know, on the back end, David Savard, he's a, probably a, a solid defenseman target for a couple teams here. Uh, and then they got like Michael Delzato, and that's about it, you know, like, um, and if they want to trade one of Elvis or Jonas Corposalo, but that feels like a summer deal if they make it. That does feel like a summer thing. One thing, I, I, people are talking about Felino to the Leafs for like a week, and I really hope that's not happening. Yeah, I don't really understand that. Like, Kerfoot takes so much hate, but like, Kerfoot's not much worse than Nick Felino, if at all. Is he like... Well, that's the thing. Everybody, like the... Kerfoot's probably better than Felino and not that much worse than other sort of slightly above average guys at the deadline. So it makes, makes the upgrade a lot smaller for them. Yeah. And like Kerfoot's, he's had a rough year this year, especially by our APM standards, but like, I've just never understood. Even last year, he had a fine year. Like he was like the ideal third line center, but people hated him because he wasn't Nazem Kadri and Tyson Berry sucked. It's like, well, that's not Alex Kerfoot's fault. Yeah. He's just like the most average NHL player in the world, but like, it's also not the easiest thing to upgrade on average, especially when you're looking at the Nick Felinos of the world. Yeah, it's probably just not worth it for that team in terms of the long run. So, like, yeah, I didn't really understand that either. If you look at their three-year samples, they're almost identical for our APM. Like, literally, like, Felino has that very, very slight edge and maybe not even. Um, so, I, like, I would just keep Kerfoot if I'm the Leafs. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Like, he's the he's the name I, I would see floated out, but it doesn't make much sense for a team like Toronto to acquire him, in my opinion. No, and with this cap, it, it might be tough for them to move Felino, but if they could get a pick for him, that'd be very nice. Yeah, I, like, if they if they retain some salary. So, right now, I, I love this, uh, the remaining daily cap hit from uh, Cap Friendly. It's really helpful. So, because the remaining daily cap hit, I believe, is the cap hit that uh, teams actually need to worry about when acquiring a guy on deadline day. Um, so, right now, he's got 1.5 mil on his remaining cap hit. That obviously, he's got a daily cap hit of 47 grand as well. So, if you trade him in six days, it'll be closer to, uh, you know, one, one mil almost. Um, so, if you retain half of that, uh, most teams should be able to fit him in pretty easily. Um, so we'll see where it goes. Their uh, team that probably will sell, probably should sell. Uh, you know, they're not very good. They're kind of in that neutral zone and, and they need to figure out a way to get one way or the other. Exactly. Don't overthink it. You're bad. So. Yep. Uh, Dallas stars. Again, this is an interesting one. I think they'll probably stay put. I think there could be an argument for them to sell, but just, you know, with COVID, I could really see them saying, Hey, we made it to the cup finals last year. Our team got destroyed by COVID and then like power outages this year. Um, they're pretty far out of a playoff spot. Granted, they have three games in hand, but even if they win all three of those games, they're still a point out of a playoff spot. So I would assume their odds probably aren't too much better than like 20% by this point, maybe even 15%. Um, I would probably sell if I'm Dallas, but I could see them staying put, just convincing themselves this is a one-off. But even then, like, I would just sell, like, an Andrew Cogliano or Jamie Alexiak if you can. Like, Mark Pissick, the right D slash right wing hybrid on Cap Fenley. Um, any of those guys, if you can get something for them, I would probably just sell them. Yeah, I would too. Although, if and probably when they decide not to, it's probably not the end of the world. No, not at all. Um, but, like, you know, like it's one of those things where it depends what the price tag is too. Like if you're getting like a mid round pick for Cogliano, I would probably just take that. Like he's 33. Oh, the mid round pick than Cogliano, but if it comes down to like a fifth or sell Cogliano, it seems like the kind of thing where an NHL GM won't because they'll be like, Oh, what kind of message do we send to the boys in the room? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's not one of those teams that absolutely needs to sell. And I don't know. Like I, I've just never been high. I couldn't believe this team made to the cup final. I don't think they're a true cup final team, but there's definitely a core there that is better than second last in their own division. 
Um, so I could see them just kind of staying put and, and making a, a run at it again next year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings, obviously selling. They suck. They're last. They came into the year knowing they're going to sell. Darren Helm, I saw a report right before we started recording. He'd be open to being moved. So he'll definitely be someone I think they're kind of trying to trade. Phil Pula, if anyone wants him, they'll probably try and move. Luke Glendening, his name always seems to be out there. Is uh, Sounds like he's on the block as well. Uh, back end, if anyone wants Mark Stahl, I'm sure he'd be available. Although I, I can't see people wanting Mark Stahl. Patrick Namath is another one. John Merrill, Alex Biega. They have a bunch of just uh, – Bobby Ryan's another UFA, I believe. Um, they have just a lot of not great players, but a, a lot of guys that they might be able to pick up for, you know, Sam Gagne, uh, Jonathan Bernier, a, a lot of guys that they might just be able to pick up a depth pick for here. Yeah, and that seems about right. I, they're not going to do anything but sell. Pretty easy for Detroit. Yep, uh, yep. Like I, I think a successful deadline would be – uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Like, he's on the IR right now, but like, what do you think some team would give up for Bobby Ryan who has 14 points in 33 games this year? Like, could you see a fourth given up for him? Yeah. You'd probably get like a fourth or a fifth for him. It's big name. Still. All right. I guess he's not really good, but he's. Yeah. Fine. I'll give you plug him in on third or fourth line. Probably. Yeah. Like I, I think it would be not bad. Like I could see them getting like a third or something stupid for Glenn Denning or like even a Darren Helm. Like, not that I, I would give that up, but I could see them getting it. But, like, I, I think a successful deadline would be, like, you move four or five guys out and you get some combination of, like, a third, a fourth, a sixth, and a seventh-round pick or whatever, and you just slowly add to your picks and, you know, let Iserman, who apparently is supposed to be a wizard at drafting, you know, give him more opportunities to draft, right? Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like some of these, it's like, this is lazy analysis, but like this division is so very clear the haves and have nots, right? So um, yeah. here's a, a team that should be buying for the Panthers. Either you stay put or you buy. Those are your only two options here. They're not selling. Yeah. Yeah. You, like you can't sell. You've been so bad for so long and you're actually good this year. You might as well go for it. Yeah. And well, it's like, I've seen people like float out the idea that they're going to sell Chris Dreiger because they don't want to lose him for nothing. It's like, they're not going to do that. Like, no, they're just they're, that would be idiotic to me. Like you have an actual good team. Again, like generally speaking, we are definitely on the. They have 13 mil in deadline space, by the way. Um, we're usually on the side of like if you have a team you don't really think is a great enough cup winner, yeah, selling and getting assets isn't the worst idea. But like when you're a team like Florida that just is so bad for so long, just so neutral for so long, where they're like never good enough to to make playoffs and do anything about it, but they're never bad enough to get a high end pick when you're clearly in a playoff spot and you have even a fraction of a chance, like you think you have say a 25% chance to get to the conference finals, you take that and run with it. Yep, exactly. And this isn't like, um, say it's Artemi Panarin who's pending UFA like it was a couple of years ago. And the opportunity cost of letting him walk is like a first and like legitimately good prospects or other picks as well. Then you can maybe consider selling, but like, it's Chris Dreiger. What are you going to get? Like a third round pick for him? Yeah. Like, and even you don't like this, the whole idea that they're not, they're going to have to lose him. I don't understand. They have $10 million in current cap space right now. And a lot of that was because they were asked to cut money, but it's like, they're losing 2.25. They're losing Strawman. Actually, no, Strawman doesn't come off the books for another year yet, but like, it's not like they're, they're not going to have significant more after next year. They're, they're none of their RFAs that are up are big names. So it's like, 
there's a scenario where you re-sign Chris Dreider to a one or two year deal at like 3 million AAV or whatever. And he's the stopgap between Spencer Knight coming up, who is still only 19 years old. You know, you shouldn't expect to just be NHL ready within the year. Exactly. Cause he's going to get a, sh- like Dreider going to get a show me contract. It's not like you have to lock him in for like five by five this summer. No, exactly. Like I, I don't understand this whole narrative of they're definitely going to lose him. It's like, why? Like, you could give him a one or two year deal, maybe a little higher AAV than he's worth, but like just have him as a bridge gap. But um, if this team did buy, what would you want to see? I, I think I'd want to see, they could use a defenseman now that Ekblad went down. That is such a tough loss. Uh, so obviously defense, you know, you they could add another piece of uh, that or, you know, a middle six scoring winger. I, I think that this team could really use. Yeah, I could see that. I think with the Ekblad injury, their glaring need is on the blue line. Like, they have a really bad blue line without Ekblad for a playoff team that fancies itself a contender. Ellis would be a, a – this would be a cool destination for Ryan Ellis because he's cheap right now. I think it would fit perfectly with going for it now and maybe next year, and then you don't have to re-sign him when his big ticket comes up. Um, we'll, we'll see if that actually happens. But, yeah, definitely another top four defenseman is uh, probably the priority right now if they're going to buy like Ryan Ellis? Yes. Isn't he signed long-term? Am I thinking Ekholm? Whatever the one, the UFA one for next year for Nashville. Oh, Ekholm's the UFA next year. Okay, Ekholm. They're the same guy. I don't really care. <laughs> one of Nashville's good defensemen. Yeah, Matthias Ekholm, sorry. That's that's the one that they were rumored on selling. Um, now, again, who knows if they'll actually do that now that they made a playoff push and they're going to get annihilated in round one. But, um, yeah, sorry, Ekholm, not Ellis. They're literally they seem like the same guy to me. They're they're both underrated stud defensemen. But he like the, Ekholm's a guy where it's like on the left side. I could see him making sense for a couple teams to really go in just solidify it. Yeah, exactly. Because he's good enough to to make your team like legitimately better. Yeah, and it's like he he'll be cheap for two years, which is great for Florida. That's exactly what they want. Um, and, you know, honestly, like if they really want to move salary out, they could probably move like a – now he's got a modified no-trade clause, so I don't know if he'd want to do this. But, like, if they could fit a deal where it's like they send Strawman back for Ellis and upgrade the pick or whatever or whatever they're sending, like I could see both teams benefiting from that, you know? Just to get the salary out. Yeah, exactly. And then that way you don't even have to worry about salary either. Yeah, I could see something like that. Um, the other one, you know, Ekblad's a right-handed D. David Savard might not be a bad ad for this team either, like if they want a cheaper option on the right side. I could see that. I have a question that I don't actually know the answer to. Do these guys have to go through, like, the Leafs division in round three? Uh, it's just points percentage. So it could be two Western teams, three Eastern teams, whatever. Like, it'll be – Oh, it's a complete reseeding. Yeah, exactly. So for when it gets to the conference finals, it's whoever has the best. I'm assuming points percentage, but probably if everyone gets to 56 games, points, obviously. So. Okay. Yeah, so that'll all just kind of depend. We have no idea, right? Because if the Panthers finish third and have to go, you know, they'll probably have less points than the teams coming out of the other division. So they might have to face whoever the best team is. But if they finish first, maybe they get lucky and they get like the Metro team or whatever. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, so um, that would that's what we would do if we were uh, with Florida. Uh, two more teams, Nashville. This is another one. I would sell on this team. I, I really, it's insane to me that um, this little streak that they've been on has convinced them that maybe they shouldn't sell. They're going to get annihilated in round one. They're 8-2-0 in their last 10, uh, but I'm pretty sure they've just been beating up on bad teams. 
um, like the, the really bad teams in this division. Um, they're very clearly not as good as the top three teams. I think they're, it's fair to say they're very clearly the fourth best team. Like I think they're miles ahead of the Blackhawks, Blue Jackets and Red Wings, just in terms of overall talent, but they're still such a far step behind the other three teams that it doesn't make sense not to sell here. Exactly. Like they're so aggressively mediocre that they should sell and try to do something meaningful in the future instead of just getting killed around one right now. You know, yeah. damn, they're going for the first round exit right now. Oh, yeah. And, and they're one of the few teams where it's like they actually have players where they could get assets back for. You know, some of these teams like like Chicago were like they should sell, but like the, the cost benefit of them selling is they miss out on a fifth and a seventh round pick. Like Mikel Granlin is going to fetch like at least a second rounder, I think. Eric Hall will probably fetch like a prospect in the third rounder or something. If you trade Matias Eckholm, you're getting a first and probably a good prospect at the bare minimum, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like Eckholm is how you can like kick, I don't want to say rebuild because they have a lot of dudes locked in for long-term, but like a retool, you can kickstart pretty easily by selling Eckholm. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why I think they absolutely should be doing it. And their team with $8.5 million in deadline cap space, they could take a not great contract back if a team needs to unload some money. Now, granted, again, I don't know if their owner's going to do it. And that's the biggest reason why if their owner's tight on money, I could see them wanting to, he could, no, 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 let's go make a playoff push or whatever, right? Yeah, just for the home dates. But the thing is, you could probably sell at home and make the playoffs anyways. I think so too. Yeah. Like, but it just, it, then you go, well, what are you saying to the room or whatever? Right. But I don't yeah. know. I, I think absolutely long term, they should be selling. But uh, I would be, I don't know. I, I, they absolutely should. It'll be interesting to see if they do or not. Yeah. It, Final team. I don't think they will, but yeah. Uh, final team in this division, Tampa Bay Lightning, probably the most boring one because their deadline addition is going to be Nikita Kucherov, which uh, pretty good, pretty good uh, pickup, if I do say so. Uh, he'll be coming in, obviously, near the end of the regular season, whenever they get enough cap space that they can actually put him in. I think it's probably the end. Like, I don't think he's going to play any regular season games, uh, but I don't see this team adding anyone else. I, I just don't see how they do unless they move a Tyler Johnson salary out, which uh, proved really hard earlier. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to change much. And, like, this team's so stupid. They they might win a division with two of the other, like, top ten teams in the league and then add, like, the eighth best player in the league. Yep, exactly. So, um, sorry, Lightning fans, if they, you wanted more analysis on this, but I just don't see this team doing much. I don't think they need to do too much either. Yeah, some of them, it sounds super boring, but it's like there's really nothing to overthink here. The Tampa Bay freaking lightning who are about to get Nikita Kucherov back, just run the team in the playoffs and see what happens. Exactly. Final division here. That one took 19 minutes and six seconds. So we're on the right path here, Chase. Uh, Boston Bruins. This is one of the most interesting teams. You know, this is a team we still thought was going to be really good and they have struggled mightily. Um, they're in a playoff spot only because every other team in this division below them actively wants to lose. It feels like Sabres and Devils suck. Uh, the Flyers just shoot themselves in the foot and the Rangers aren't that good anyways. Um, so they're five points into a playoff spot, um, but they are pretty clearly right now the fourth best team in this division. Uh, uh, injuries hasn't helped. They've been Literally everyone's been injured. McAvoy missed a game with an injury the other night. Uh, this feels like a team that they, they obviously they want some, uh, as always, secondary scoring. It feels like they want that every single goddamn year. Um, so, you know, either at the wing or the center position. But I could honestly see this team benefiting from, like, a really good defenseman getting added as well. Yeah, I could. I think that's pretty obviously the move is to go on defense, even though the secondary scoring would be nice. Like, that's just not a decor that makes you happy going into the playoffs with. 
No, and like Brandon Carlos on the IR right now. John Moore's on the IR right now. Tuka Rask on the IR. Funny enough, can you name both of their defensemen if you don't, or both of their goalies if you don't have cap friendly up right now? Uh, no, no, I can't. Halak is non-roster. I don't know if he's. I don't know what if he's on. Oh, he got COVID actually, uh, unfortunately oh. this week. But uh, so it's Daniel Vladder uh, and Jeremy Swayman is a 22-year-old and a 23-year-old as their two goalies, both on emergency loan right now. So that's the state this team's in. They actively picked up Jacob Tenorti off waivers to give him minutes because they had no other NHL defensemen. Um, like, they're, they're, they really need uh, a lot of improvements here if they want to be that team that goes through. And, you know, I, we, we talked a bunch about this division that it's pretty good, but, like, you know, even with how good the Islanders are, I still don't consider the Islanders a juggernaut. So like this team is in such a go for it now mode where it's like, if they could add say like a Taylor Hall and a Matias Ekholm, like I would be all in if I'm this team, just screw it. Let's just go. Oh yeah. If it costs you a first and then like, or like two firsts and Jake DeBrusk to get Taylor Hall and Matias Ekholm, just do it. Like Bergeron's 35, um, Marshan's 32, Pasternak's right in his prime. Uh, Krejci's 34, like just uh, McAvoy's in his prime, like go for it. Even if yep. it costs you very, very heavily in the future, you're a good, but probably not playing like an elite team with the potential to be an elite team. So you might as well just go all in. Yeah. Like they're 19th in expected goals so far this year. Um, and I think a little higher than that in Corsi four percentage, but they're still only uh where are they fifth they're fifth actually in Corsi four percentage so like they're taking a bunch of shots not great quality um you know Tuka Rask is 34 and Halak's 35 to add on to that as well so it's like yeah I would be all in on this team if I'm this team um the division is open like this is the easiest division they've been in a while because they you know they're gonna have to uh um, go through Toronto, Florida, and, you know, like people are going to laugh, but obviously Tampa is in the division next year again, but, you know, people are going to laugh maybe at Toronto and Florida, but it's like Toronto's a legitimately good team and the Panthers are looking like they could be, you know, at least not elite or anything like that, but like a dangerous team if they keep this up again next year. So um, it's not like their path is getting any easier from here on out. Uh, and, you know, the, the players aren't getting younger. I would be buying if I'm this team. Exactly. Just go all in. Don't overthink it. You're old. Your window's about to close, but you still might have a shot. So just do it. And if it hurts you for a, if it extends your rebuild that's eventually coming a year or two longer, it was definitely worth it for the possible payoff of a cup. Yep. Next team, Buffalo Sabres. This one's easy. We're, let's not even spend more than a minute on it. Sell, 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 sell. Anything anyone wants. Literally every player should be on the other than like Maybe uh, who is their pick from last year? Um, their first yeah, rounder, Dylan Cousins. He's maybe the only one you should call an untouchable. Anyone else? And maybe Deline because his value is so low. But uh, anyone else, if they make an offer, strongly consider it. Um, yeah. The only, only thing I wanted, only thing I want to talk about. What do you think Taylor Hall goes for? Because there's been like he, playing on Buffalo has uh, like just deflated his value so much that like people are talking it might be like a second and a prospect. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked me if he goes for less than a first and that will be like the steal of the deadline. Yep. Uh, I think, you know, I think Buffalo has got to be shooting for a first round pick. Although we've also said like if Buffalo goes like a, a second, a fourth and a fifth, I will take that over a first any day. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Especially in this year's draft where it looks like it's weak at the top anyways. Plus there's a hell of a lot of uncertainty compared to usual. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I should qualify that with, um, 
a first for this year's like if it's like Toronto is offering you their first like the odds are that's probably going to be at best like the 18th overall pick so it's like if it's a future first I think it's a little different because the value can be so high we've seen in past years but like just like if we're talking like the 22nd pick versus like the 45th um 90th and 111th pick or whatever like that second package is probably just as much value as the first you know yeah and that's why I want Toronto to go so hard for them because I think NHL GMs prefer to get that first round pick and if all Taylor Hall costs first round pick that's beautiful Yep, absolutely. Uh, the New Jersey Devils, they have a bunch of pieces they can sell as well. Kyle Palmieri, sounds like he was sat out the other day, so it sounds like he'll be on the move somewhere. Um, that's a pretty, That could be a pretty good, uh, you know, we talked about it, like could be a good pickup, but it might be a little pricey for some teams. Travis Zajac's another guy. He's got a full no trade clause, but if he wants to move, I'm sure they could try and move him. Uh, Ryan Murray on defense, that could be an okay pickup for someone looking for a left-handed D. Um if you want to go a little cheaper, Sammy Vatnin or Dmitry Kulikov. Uh, Vatnin, I think, is obviously better. Uh, and then if a team's looking for a depth goalie, Wedgwood or Aaron Dell are options. So this team has a lot of pieces that they can sell. Um, Nikita Zugusev, they obviously put their waivers. I don't think any team's going to really buy on him. But, um, yeah, this, this team is a, a team that really is in a position, in my opinion, to probably add a first and maybe even like another third or fourth round pick at this deadline. Yeah, they're in a good spot to stock up on picks. I'm trying to get Winnipeg and Boston to fall in love with Ryan Murray all day if I'm the Devils GM. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's definitely a good. And even like Sammy Batman too. Like honestly, if you're if you're um, the Devils GM, you could look at uh, and be like, hey, like you to the Jets. It's like you need so much defensive help. Take both these guys, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, and obviously the teams we meant like Florida could use a defenseman as well. Maybe they'll look that way. Um, Batman plays both hands, but he's more of a third pair guy. I think Florida really needs a top four guy. Whereas you could argue that Winnipeg could probably use an upgrade at just about every pairing. <laughs> yeah, literally the whole way down. Yeah. Um, New York Islanders, they should buy. Again, we talked about this, I think, last week. They're a surprisingly good team. Uh, they have an extra, or they, sorry, they don't have their second this year, but they have the Avs, and then they have both theirs and the Avs second next year. This is a team I think would be also a really good fit for Taylor Hall, especially if like the package is like a second round pick, a, a prospect, and like a roster player or something like that. And like I, I even said, like I could see them if you upgrade, say, say you go both the Avs second rounders, a prospect. I don't really know who they have for a prospect. And then you send the contract of like Andrew Ladd back. To Buffalo because it's not like Buffalo is needing that cap space. Um, but if you could improve the price and get out from like the five million dollar cap hit that is Andrew Ladd, that could be a good bit of deal for uh, Lou Lamorello here. I thought I was going to surprise you by saying they should uh, go for like a Taylor Hall level player and just go all out, but I guess we both agree on that end. Yeah, I, I mean, like they're just they they actually have good underlying numbers this year, and they lost Anders Lee, who is like really you know a really key part of that team you know who, who generates a lot of shots and scores you know he doesn't score like a ton but he scores enough so they I, I think they would be like honestly a really good fit for Taylor I, I mean I, I think Taylor Hall we bring his name up so much because he like he just would be a good fit on so many of these teams but like the Islanders really I think need an extra like top six forward who can do a bunch of scoring and you know any guy that is even remotely available I think they should be in on yeah, if they end up with like Palmieri or whatever, that works too. But Hall's just the easiest one because he's the best by a very wide margin in spite of his point totals this year. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I think this team should be kind of all in right now. Like 
um, it sounds weird, but you know, we talked about like they're kind of in an all-in win. Like if you just look at their contracts and their age of the team, this isn't a young team. They should be trying to win right now. So um, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But uh, yeah, I, if I'm the Islanders, you know, it's tough because they don't have really any cap space right now. They're using LTIR. Uh, but if you could figure out a way to unload a contract like Lad or even like they probably wouldn't want to move Komarov, but like Leo Komarov off on like a Buffalo and pick up a Taylor Hall, that would be a very slick piece of business. Yeah, that'd be an expensive deal, I would think, since nobody wants to take on money right now, but it might be worth it in the long run. Yeah, for sure. Um, the New York Rangers. I don't know what they do here. I think they probably just sell off a piece or two if they get asked for, you know, like a Brendan Smith. I don't know if anyone really wants to pick him up, but like they don't have any UFAs other than him and Philip Giuseppe or whatever his name is. And then, you know, I, I think they probably just stay put there. They seem like a pretty prime candidate to just, they got a young team. They're just going to roll it back. Yeah. Let the kids play. You don't have anything meaningful to sell anyways. So you're almost certainly like with over a 99% chance missing the playoffs, but it's all about what the kids can do that in the stretch. Now that's the focus. Yep. Um, the flyers, this is an interesting team. Uh, they will, I'm assuming they're going to be sellers now because they probably shot, but it's like, this is interesting because this is probably a team we want to look about more after the deadline and then look more into the summer. But, you know, Scott Lawton and Michael Raffle are both RFA or UFA, sorry. Eric Gustafson's a UFA and Samuel Morin is a UFA G6 as well. But I think Gustafson is probably gone. I could see Raffle moving and even like a Scott Lawton too, if you can get a pick from. Um, and then, you know, from there, it's it depends what you, I think it's a bunch of summer moves if you want to shake up the score. Yeah, this team has a super interesting offseason, but for the deadline, it's just like sell your mediocre UFAs because you're missing the playoffs. Yep, and like they're just they're out of it. Like they actively just shot themselves in the foot. Exactly. Uh, two more teams here, and these are both probably going to be buyers, I would say. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Again, like if this was a normal team, I don't know if I would be advocating them, you know, going on a massive buying spree. Uh, I don't think they're – particularly an elite team, obviously, other than a couple of their really, really good players, but like it's the Pittsburgh Penguins. You kind of got to go for it, right? Like they're 14th in Corsi four percentage and uh, 16th in expected goal. So they're really just a neutral team, but like, again, you have Crosby and Malkin still playing a lot. Mal- Malkin's on IR right now, but you still, you like, you still have your, your two franchise players. You just kind of got to keep going for it. Right. Like, yeah, they're in a weird spot. Cause they're like, the worst team that or the yeah the worst team that it wouldn't baffle you if they won the cup yeah but, like it's like there there's a, a technically a small avenue there but it's like i'm not choosing them to win the cup over like nine other teams at least yeah like around them in cup odds is montreal winnipeg minnesota edmonton philly so it's like they're the best of those kind of teams or whatever, but they're distinctly worse than the rest of the real contenders. But the problem is Sid's 33 and still playing like he's elite. So you're just all in. It does it, You don't really have a choice. Yeah. And like, the thing is like, they have $1.1 million in deadline cap space. Like, what do you add to this team right now? I think forward is probably, like, you probably need some depth scoring. So that's where I would be looking. You know, their blue line has been, a ragtag bunch of groups with his injuries, but it's actually been working out pretty well. Like even Cody CC has played well this year. So I think I would probably look up front. Yeah. I would just see, you don't really have the space to do anything crazy, but if you could just get like some Josh Levo types, it's probably not the worst thing in the world. Pittsburgh always seems to have depth scoring problems. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of what you have to do here. Um, last team, Washington Capitals. Again, kind of the same mold of Pittsburgh, except uh, I like this team a little more. I think they're, you know, I don't think they're a juggernaut or anything like that. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they always seem to have disappointing expected goals numbers. You know, they're 18th in that, um, but their high-end talent picks them out. Uh, I get they're kind of in the – I think they're, like, maybe a tier above the Pittsburgh team in terms of, like, again, like this. It wouldn't shock me if they win the Cup. I'm probably not betting on it, but there's very clear talent here to lead them to that. Uh, and I think, you know, just given their core, they should be buying right now. Yeah, Exactly. Same thing as Pittsburgh. Your core is just like one year older for the OV thing. Yeah, and, and they're a team who has zero space as well. So um, I, I'm going to see, you know, like I, I don't really know what you do. You probably have to move a contract out to bring one in. But if they can pick up, again, like maybe a depth for a middle six forward, that would be great if you could have a little bit of an upgrade on your blue line. But the blue, I don't really hate their blue line, you know. Orlov Carlson, Schultz, Brendan Dillon, Nick Jensen, TVR, like Chara obviously is there. Like maybe if you could add like a depth defenseman to help a little bit, that would be okay. But um, a lot of the moves you'd want to see them make are big swings. I just don't think they have the cash space for that. No, exactly. And if this team's going to win, it's going to be on the back of that first power play unit, basically. Anyways, so yeah, really and, and goaltending probably too. Which you know you got to just hope that Ilya Samsonov can step up. Speaking of which, this this off topic, we're going pretty long here, but. How much different would this team look if they had Samson on the Grubauer right now instead? That would be kind of nuts if they had Grubauer this year. Yeah, I don't think they like they'd have to lose like a large Eller or you know Carl Hagelin, maybe both, but like still, like it, it's kind of weird that um, you know it, it, just the the given thing a couple of years ago was oh yeah Grubauer can go and hope he's the guy for two more years and then Samsonov will take over where it's like it almost would have been better to keep Grubauer, but obviously hindsight right? Like no one could see that coming. Yeah. It's tough to see coming. Although it's always nice for like the group hours of the world who do great as a backup, actually seeing them actually succeed as a starter. Yeah. And like, he's been elite this year. Like he's probably, he probably deserves some Vesna consideration. Yeah. Vasilevsky has been way too good for him to win it, but like he'll get votes and he will deserve them. Yeah. He should be like top three, top five, that kind of area. Right. Like Exactly. All right. Well, that one was pretty good. We got that one done in 15 minutes and 20 seconds. A pretty obvious division as well. There's a, a couple teams that, you know, we think should buy, but they don't even have the room too much. And then just a couple of really bad teams that uh, definitely shouldn't do anything but sell or stay put. So, um, yeah, that's our deadline preview. Uh, we didn't go through all the teams in or like all the players in depth, but I, I kind of wanted to do more of just like what teams we think we should be doing because a lot of the people just go through the deadline boards and, you know, talk about where do you want to see this guy? Where do you want to see that guy? And it's just like, well, Okay, like I guess, but it, you know, it always happens that you know you hit on one or two because it makes a, a bunch of sense, and then a couple other ones like, oh, I didn't see this coming, as always. But um, and then a good handful of them don't get traded because the NHL deadline is boring and sucks and usually disappoints. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we will be back next week. I'm assuming Chase and I'll probably it's Wednesday recording. I'm assuming we'll probably record on uh, maybe even Monday night next week, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, you know, shortly after the trade deadline. So we can give our reactions to, you know, what happened, who's the winners and losers of that stuff. Um, uh, Chase, you got anything going on that you want to let people know about or no? Uh, not really. Exams coming up. It'd be probably a pretty quiet month for me. Fair enough. Um, I've done a little more writing lately. Uh, not a ton with last word on hockey, although I, I keep trying to, I want to get a sense piece out, but 
that'll come. Uh, but I have been doing more predictions articles and some news articles there. So check out uh, all the work at lastwordhockey.com. But on milehighhockey.com, I had a piece on why I think uh, Ryan Dezingle will be a good fit for the Avalanche. And, um, you know, I'm going to try and get another piece probably after the deadline as well. So, you know, keep your eyes open for that. As always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week.